All right, we are going to uh, turn to God's Word now. And I was planning over the last couple of months to begin this week um, moving back to the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, We were preaching through the Gospel of Matthew at the beginning of 2020, and then things changed. And so um, I was going to jump back to where we left off. But as I was beginning to prepare this week, it just didn't feel like in step with the Spirit. There has been a lot of death and a lot of grief in our church family over the last couple months. Um, since December 1st, um, I've, I've led four different funerals. Those of you who may know that Heidi Wilhoff died this past week, and so we'll be having a service for her in a couple weeks. As well, there's been a lot of people who have suffered loss of people who are not a part of our church, um, but family and friends in their lives. And so as I thought about just diving back into, into the Gospel of Matthew and some of the things we're going to be looking at at that time, it just didn't quite feel right. And so uh, this week I decided to shift gears a bit. And this week and next week, uh, Lord willing, we're going to look at a couple of psalms and uh, talk about what it means for us to bring our whole lives to God. Uh, the joys, the pains, the struggles, all of it. How we bring all of it to God. So would you, would you join me in prayer? God in heaven, we thank you for your word and the way that it speaks to us. We thank you for the Psalms, especially today, for these prayers and songs that are offered in worship to you. And God, I pray that they would become our prayer and song too. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 6. Psalm number 6. Psalm 6. I'm going to read... Uh, The entire psalm for us today, Psalm 6, verses 1 through 10. David, the psalm writer, says this, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he is dead. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and dismayed. They will turn back in sudden disgrace. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to share with you a couple paragraphs that I came across this past week about Psalm 6. Psalm 6 is a powerful reminder of the depth of human motion, emotion and the pain of grief. It is a cry for help and a plea for deliverance from the agony of a broken heart. As we read this psalm, we see the raw and vulnerable side of David, the psalmist, as he pours out his soul to God. 
He admits that he is overwhelmed by sorrow and that his enemies are taunting him in his distress. His tears flow like a river and he cannot find any rest or comfort. But even in the midst of his pain and despair, David trusts in the Lord and seeks refuge in his loving arms. He knows that God is the only one who can heal his broken heart and give him the strength to endure. Okay, I've just tricked you. These two paragraphs um, were written by artificial intelligence. These two paragraphs were written by a computer. If you haven't heard about this yet, if you go to openai.com, you can type in any topic and they'll write an essay on it for you. So I wrote, write a sermon about Psalm 6 with an emphasis on despair. And those were the first two paragraphs that come up word for word. I didn't change a single word. What does it mean to be a human being? How do we live a fully human life? Technology has come to the point where a computer can produce the content of a somewhat boring sermon in 30 seconds. It takes me at least 10 hours a week to come up with the content of a boring sermon. (laughs) And I'm a little bit faster than most. If technology is able to do that, and this is very new, this capability is very new, in the next 5 to 10 years, it's going to be able to do it better and faster and with even more depth and nuance. If artificial intelligence is able to express in words these sorts of complex ideas... I think we have some wrestling to do with what it really means to live a fully human life with human intelligence and with human emotion. What does it mean to live a fully human life when we encounter death? When we encounter the disorienting experience of the suicide of a friend? When we're walking through caring for a sick spouse or a sick child, when we lose our job, when we experience betrayal, and also when we have those experiences that are just too good for words, those moments when we're so unbelievably proud of our kids, those moments when we walk into the woods and have that deep sense of God's presence with us, What does it mean to live a fully human life in those moments? What does it mean to to live a fully human life when we have failed again? When we have to confess our sin again? How do we express the width and the depth of our human experience? What do we do with all of this life that we have to live? And are you really living it? One of the gifts that we have in the Bible, in the very middle of the Bible, is 150 psalms. 150 psalms. And the psalms are a set of songs and prayers that God's people have been singing to God for thousands and thousands of years. And these 150 psalms communicate the whole range of human thought and emotion 
And it sets all of our thoughts and emotions into conversation with God or into worship with God. The Psalms teach us, as it expresses all of these human thoughts and emotions, it it teaches us that God doesn't want just the good parts of us. He doesn't just want the pretty parts. He wants the ugly parts too. The Psalms are filled with beautiful and they're filled with ugly. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The Psalms are filled with these beautiful expressions of of longing for God and, and, and expressing this desire that we have for God or expressing finally experiencing his presence, finally after after prayer and, and tears, finally experiencing him. These beautiful poetic expressions of our experience of God. And the Psalms have a whole lot of ugly in it too. Psalm 137, O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done, he who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Psalm 139, God, if you would only slay the wicked, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? I have nothing but hatred for them. Psalms hold it all for us. All the different experiences that we have in our very human lives, as it relates to other people, as it relates to our experiences, as it relates to God, all of them are offered to God in worship and in prayer. And the Psalms tell us that our whole life, all of our thoughts, all of our experiences, all of our emotions, all of that has a place in our life. All of that has a place in our relationship to God. We don't have to hide any of it. We don't have to pretend that the bad parts aren't there. We can know that God cares also even about the very simplest pleasures of our life. So part of what it means to live a fully human life is to live a life that is aware of the presence of God at every moment. In our good, in our beautiful, and in our ugly and not so beautiful. And so I have a couple questions to ask for you. And we're going to take a minute or two to be silent and to think about these. I want to ask you these questions. When do you relate to God the most? And at what points in your life do you find yourself forgetting or ignoring or avoiding God?
When in your life do you relate to God the most, and at what points in your life do you find yourself forgiving or ignoring or avoiding God? There are some of you here today, before we go to a time of silence, just want to say a few things. There are some of you here today who in your life know and often do go to God in, in your sadness or in your disappointment, and that's the place where you go. Prayer, worship, whatever it may be. There's other of you who very often just feel like you have that experience of, of gladness and joy, and you go to God in your gladness and in your joy. I was speaking with a friend of mine recently, and he realized that in his life, as he was growing up, that he most often went to God only after he had sinned. Like, that was the only time that he really related to God. Like, he felt this guilt and this shame, and he would go to God. And that was the place where he met God. And he was trying to find ways in his life to experience God in other ways as well. Because that's not the only place where God meets us. So I just want you to think about your own life. When do you relate to God the most? And at what points in your life do you find yourself forgetting or ignoring or avoiding God? So let's just take a minute or two to be quiet as you think about those questions. Just encourage you to, to hold those moments in, in your head as we continue our sermon today. The moments when we most tend to relate to God and come to him and to also be aware right now of where in your life you tend to avoid him um, or ignore him. You know, the great thing about being a Christian is that once we accept Christ, we don't have any problems anymore. Bills always get paid. They said that? Yeah, I don't know. Relationships with your spouse always get fixed right away. Your car doesn't break down. And when you're a Christian, you're never tempted with those things that you used to be tempted by. It all goes away. Is that not the way it works for you? The truth is actually precisely the opposite. Christians face the exact same trials as everyone else in the world. The rain falls on the righteous and on the unrighteous. The sun shines on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Here's a, a quote by Eugene Peterson. This was not written by a computer. <laughs> the Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on. Breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, read the same newspapers, are citizens under the same governments, pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, fear the same dangers, get the same distresses, and are buried in the same ground. What the Psalms teach us is not that Christians will never shed a tear or feel suffering or pain or feel as if God is far away from us. We feel that as followers of Jesus. The lesson of the 150 Psalms is that even in those times of suffering or fear or anxiety, we have someone to go to. The Christian life is not about being a hero or pretending that you don't have any doubts or frustrations with your faith. It's not pretending that everything is okay. The Psalms were written by people who were going through all sorts of circumstances, seasons of joy as well as seasons of great distress. And the Psalms again show us that all the emotions that we experience as human beings have a place in our walk with God. 
when we're hurting, when we're suffering, when we're being persecuted, when our enemies come up against us and seizes them depression and anxiety, the psalm tells us that we have the great privilege and the permission to bring it all to God. The psalms remind us that we don't have to get dressed up and look nice first before we come to God in prayer. We don't have to come to God and pretend that we're feeling good when we're not. We don't have to come and to act pious. We don't have to use our these and our thous in prayer. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And what I love about the Psalms is that in the Psalms, people are coming and being their full selves to God. God, here I am today. It's where I am. I may not look good. I know my heart may be ugly and dark, but here I am. God, I'm angry with you. God, I'm frustrated with life. But here I am coming to you in the midst of my doubt, my disappointment, my anger with you or whoever else. Here I am. I come to you with my prayers, with my heart, with my ugliness, and I bring it to you in prayer right now. That's what the Psalms say to us over and over again. Give us permission to do over and over again. In Psalm 6, David is experiencing attack from his enemies. And the first enemy that he's experiencing attack from is the enemy that is within him. An attack from his own heart, from inside him. Verses 1 through 3. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? David is not as specific in this psalm as he is in other places, but there is some internal struggle that David is experiencing in this moment. Some personal sin, some internal rebellion against God, something is going on in his own soul that's causing him distress, and he brings that experience to God. He knows God. He knows that God is a God who gets angry at our sin, a God who expresses his wrath. And he also knows that God is a God who loves to show mercy, and so he asks for it. God, show me mercy. I have rebelled against you. I'm asking for your mercy. My soul, my inner self is in agony here, Lord. I need your mercy. That's a prayer that all of us can pray every day. Lord, I need your mercy. In the rest of the psalm, it seems that David is also experiencing enemies from the outside, people who want to do him harm, and he brings those enemies to God to God as well. God, do your thing. Do justice here with these people. And in the middle of this psalm, David discovers that God hears him. And I think that this is really the point of this psalm and the main point that I want us to know today, that through the work of prayer, through the work of coming to God in his experience, as difficult as that experience was, in the act of prayer, he discovers that God hears him. Verses 6 through 9. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I fled my bed with weeping and drenched my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. By coming to God in prayer, by doing the act, by doing the thing, 
David learned that God hears him. And that is a truth that David could only learn through practice, by doing it. That is an experience that artificial intelligence can't provide, is the experience of prayer where we then experience that, experience that God hears us. He had to go through the trial and then had to bring that trial to God in prayer in order to discover that God was with him in it. And it was only after he reckoned with that inner enemy, where he acknowledged his own sin, where he flooded his bed with tears, only after he cried out to God all night long, that David then discovered, God has heard my cry. Why would it be bad for me as a preacher to go to openai.com and type in my sermon topic and text each week and allow it to spit out a sermon for me. I'd save so much time. I get to do a lot of good pastoral things that I can't do now because it takes time to prepare a sermon. Why would that be bad? Well, there's a lot of ethical reasons for that, but even more than that, here is the reason why it would most be bad for me. Because I wouldn't be the kind of person who has wrestled with the words of the Bible. I would not be shaped by it myself. Another illustration. If Katie and I wanted to have a vegetable garden in the back of our house, something that we've always thought would be a great idea but never do. If we wanted to have a vegetable garden in the back of our house, we could very easily find someone and pay them to do it for us. And we'd have vegetables like August and September and October. It would be great. But at the end of the harvest, we would not be the kind of people who had been shaped by the hard work of gardening. David, because he has done the hard work of prayer, because he has done the work of tears, because he has done the work of turning to God in his distress, he has become the kind of person who knows that God hears him in those moments. And I suggest to you that that's an essential part of what it means to be a human being, to live a fully human life, is to be people who have learned to live their entire lives before God, to offer all of it to him. And when we offer all of it to him, to discover and learn that he is Emmanuel, God with us, he is there. He is the God who sees. He is the God who hears. But I just emphasize again that that cannot happen unless we do the thing of going to him and taking those things to him. It won't just happen to us. It's a work that we must do and over time learn to discover who God is for us in those moments. God in heaven, we thank you for this psalm and for all of these psalms that give us permission to come to you. And that when we come to you, that we can find you. And so, God, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters here this morning uh, who are uh, living in, in questions and in doubt about whether you're real, about whether this faith in you is really a thing, is, is really real. God, I pray that they would come to you with all of their, their doubts and their questions and that you would meet them. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters today who are walking in shame, who are walking under the realization that they have failed again. God, I pray that you would bring your mercy and your grace to them. 
that they would know that through confession to you and to others that true healing can be found. God, I pray today for those who are struggling physically, whose bodies just hurt and ache. God, I pray for those today whose hearts are broken, who have lost, who have said goodbye. God, I pray that we, we would bring these experiences to you and that we would find that you are there, that you hear us, and that you see us, and that you love us. Amen.